$5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SAVE to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. I want people to give me a reason to keep pushing. Otherwise, I get bored. I love when they say I can't. I love when they doubt me. I love when they complain. And then I convert them to fans. I am unwilling to give up. That I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm so excited to have my friend and next guest here, Jason Waller, founder and CEO of Powerhome Solar, but also the podcast creator and host of True Underdog, which is an awesome, awesome podcast if you have not listened to it. And I was on his show a few weeks ago, which was so much fun. So thank you for having me, by the way, Jason. Thrilled, thrilled to have you on my show today. And Jason has such an inspiring story. He's truly the definition of a true underdog. And we all love these underdog stories. And he started three companies with his most recent venture, Power Home Solar and is now on a path to becoming a billion dollar enterprise, not too shabby. With over 1,700 employees and over a billion in revenue, his company is one of the fastest growing companies in the US. Fun fact they have installed solar at five NFL teams and one MLB team. Very fun. He's uh, won several awards. We got to talk about one of our favorite companies, EY, when I was on his podcast. And uh, Jason was a recipient, um, as was I, of the Entrepreneur of the Year for his region and and uh, just amazing, amazing um, other ones. Stevie's Entrepreneur of the Year, Globy's Entrepreneur of the Year, and uh, 2019 Most Admired CEO, to name a few. And he has, an, like I said, an awesome podcast, True Underdog, and We'll let you share more of. I think you just covered is. everything. Like, <laughs> so we should just end there. it. End yeah, it now. Everybody knows. And look, I got, I'm drinking Hint water. See that BlackBerry, right? I got my water on. I got my Def Leppard T-shirt on. I'm ready. I love it. I love the Def. I Leopard. feel like it's Friday, but it's it's Monday. But I. What's feel your like favorite Def Leppard song? Uh, I think 
Love Bites is my favorite. Then Pour Some Sugar on Me. Love Bites is by, yeah, it's just it's a great. solid. It's a solid song. Yeah. I would have to say that that is uh, probably, yeah. Pour Some Sugar on Me is pretty, it, that one's a pretty good one too. So, But everybody likes that one. So Love Bites is more meaningful, you know? Yeah. I got to think about that one too. Reminds so. me of middle school dancing and stuff. You know, it just got good memories. Yeah. I remember actually, like not too fondly actually, as I'm talking about this, having this thing called California coolers, totally mm-hmm. dating myself and getting uh, mm-hmm. very sick while I was listening to Robert. <laughs> But I still like Def Leppard. It's sort of like even during those times, right? Uh, And they had the one-armed drummer, remember? He was the bomb. He was amazing. He was amazing, yeah. Yeah. And it was a big deal. Yeah. No, it was actually as as crazy as these two bands are different. uh, Phil Collins. I love Phil Collins. I know. And uh, I saw Phil Collins in uh, concert actually last year. And did you know his son is on tour with him? Oh, you got to look this up. It's actually, and his son is, I mean, it's actually a, you know, I know you're a parent and just watching him with his dad and, you know, he's, he's the drummer and he is just, we saw him at Madison Square Garden. And I have to tell you, like, it was just this pride that he had watching. And you, as he said, you know, my son had to be pretty good before I would dare take him to Madison Square Garden because I didn't want people to laugh at me. Mm. You know, right? Like big I shoes. mean big shoes to fill. It's huge if anybody who knew. So anyway, that's a little on our uh veer off to the side, Def Leopard, Phil Collins back, huge music fan for either of those uh yes. bands. But anyway, thank you so much for joining. And uh I'd love to talk more about the underdog and sort of when did you first feel like you were an underdog? Uh, I think when my parents, my dad got transferred, he was blue collar. We always lived in less than middle-class neighborhoods. And so I grew up in Arizona till I was 14, moved to North Carolina at that age. My dad got transferred. They were shutting the AT&T plant down. My mom worked as a cake decorator. Uh, he worked as a bill print processor for AT&T corporate. Mm. Uh, so he would go in middle of the night and just watch bills get insert in envelopes. And when he struggled, he had to do uh, newspapers at night, and I would help him do that and then go to school. And I had a little brother and sister, and I watched how hard they struggled. And I would have fake Tommy Hilfiger's on. We all remember Tommy Hilfiger. Mm-hmm. And I would have those on and go to school or whatever, and people would judge me because I lived in a trailer park and because I wore fake Tommy Hilfiger's. And it was the first time in my life in Arizona I didn't feel that way. It wasn't about as much, at least on the west side where I lived about how much money you have. It was, you know, where do you live? What set do you claim? Who are your friends? Like it was different when I moved to North Carolina, it was, Oh, you, you live in a, in a trailer. That's not a real Tommy, you know, my car. I mean, me and you, we, we could take our kids out to dinner and it would cost us more for the dinner than it was my first car. So that would get made fun of. I mean, it was, it was tough. And I felt like I was on a mission, you know, my, my wife, we've been together since high school, but her mom at the time would make fun of me invertedly to her. Like, why do you want to date him? He could stick his feet out the window and move his home. So all of those things kind of motivated me to really prove people wrong and show that, you know, we can't be judged on, you know, who we are, where we live. You know, it's, it's what we do in our lives. We should be judged on. I think, I, I think that just motivated me. 
Right. Well, and then you got to get to know lots of different people along the way, right? And from all different walks of life and really valuing what's important on kindness and who people are as, you know, all of those things. So so you're living in North Carolina mm-hmm. at the time, you know, obviously for a reason. You meet your wife there. Yep. That was a that was a good move. So where was kind of the first business? I mean, I almost feel like you were sort of starting business in some way, so even working for your dad, right? I mean, kind of thinking about things, right? Yeah. I mean, helping him deliver papers for a hundred dollars a week was he just needed help. So it was like, all right, I'll do it. And I used to work at a place called Boston Market after school and help pay bills. Well, I didn't finish traditional high school. I uh, knocked my girlfriend at the time, wife now up, she got pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so we had a kid really early, you know, and we didn't finish high school. But when she had Hannah, our daughter, who's 22 now and has, I have a granddaughter and a grandson on the way. And so when she uh, had Hannah. I mean, when, you know, when she was getting ready to have Hannah, I just a switch turned on and I got motivated. I was like, I am about to be a dad. I've really got to, I got to find another way to make more money than what I'm making now. And I had a decent job, but I went and I knew I had a sales attitude. I did a little bit of telemarketing in high school. I crushed it. So I went and applied for a job at First Union. I got the job and I, I was crushing that. And, you know, Hannah was born. We bought our first house after Hannah was two. And after, you know, working at, I got a job at Verizon Wireless. I was selling, you know, Blackberries and PDAs to all the companies before they had them. They all used fax machines back then in 01 to 04. And in 04, I kind of decided I need to open, I need to do something for myself. Like I'm limited. I'm the number one Southeast business account manager and I can't get promoted because of my age. Mm-hmm. I just I just couldn't. I mean, that's what it was. I mean, my manager who was the director would tell me, well, I mean, they have more experience. I'm like, I'm blowing them out of the water. I'm a great leader. Give me a shot. And so, you know, that kind of disheartened me where I need to do my own thing. So I was up front with them. I went and got licensed to do alarm systems and I started to work at Verizon full time. I was still there full time, but I was given about 80, 90% effort. And then at night I was going and selling home security and I built that out of my bedroom. And you're like 20, right? If I'm I, doing- At the time I'm 23. Okay. Still. Yeah. So, so I bounced around a couple jobs. I worked at Verizon Wireless for four years. And then before that I worked at AT&T cell phone department for a year and first union in sales for about six months. And so first union was a bank and I was, it was a call center bank where I was their number one salesperson and I shouldn't have had the job. I I mean, I really shouldn't have, but I did. And that gave me the experience on my resume to get the other jobs. Well, when I decided to open my business, it was nervous, but I wasn't taking a paycheck. I used my 401k. I used it to open up, get some equipment, you know, put some flyers out and go sell people in the afternoon. I ran out of my master bedroom. I had a tile board from Home Depot, cost me like 20 bucks. I had a black Sharpie marker. That was the schedule. I had manila folders. I mean, I put this thing together with as little money as possible to run the business. And after about seven months, I was able to finally get a check and leave Verizon Wireless. Because I built it from the ground up. I was hiring people at Chili's. And then eventually I got an office. And then I got a bigger office. And then I left Verizon and said, I can do this full time now. And when I did, it took off and built that company up to about $14 million in sales over 12 years. It was doing $14 million in 2012. And then another company approached me. It was a little bigger than me. They were doing about $18 million and said, we should, we should get together. And I was like, I don't know. I want to get into solar. And they're like, no, let's get together. So we did. And we took that business in 18 months to 38 million and we were more profitable. 
but I still wanted to get into solar. And you can't have too many chiefs. I, I, you had too many chiefs in that business, right? Uh, my guy, Ben Brookhart, who works for me now, he's our CSO. I love him. He's a brother to me. But that he was the one in that company I joined, and I was the two. And mm-hmm. he's a good one. And I'm a good two. But I'm a great one. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I felt limited. I felt handcuffed. I felt like he didn't want to grow. He was he was boxed in. And I was like, I, I we got it. We got to change this. So we sold the company and he stayed on as, as a um, executive running it. And I went and opened up solar and I built it up for the next five years. We stayed, we had a great relationship and I just built the company up And the first year lost money and lost all the money I made from home security, had to stick it in there. Second year was losing money, sold my house on the lake. I had this house paid for on the lake. I sold it and bought a house one fifth the size. My wife was giving me the stink eye. Kids were fired up. It was rough. I'm like, guys, I'm doubling down. You got to trust me. I mean, there was a time I almost closed the doors. I mean, I'm telling you, Kara, I, I was debating the end of 15 going into 16 after one year. I, maybe I should close. Like, this is a no win win. I, 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 first time I can't fix this. And everything I ever made is now in this and my house money, everything is in this business. It has to work. So I created this 80 20 rule. First, it was 2080, meaning I went and fired 80% of our staff in 16 and rebuilt them, and I started doing everything. But then after that, I, I forced myself to do an 80-20, which meant every month I was going to fire or eliminate 20% of the staff. No matter what, I was going to set KPIs in there, and the bottom 20% were going to be replaced every single time. Now, some months it was wow. 10%, some months it was 30%, but that allowed me to grow like this. If I was, if I was the post office, I'm going to grow like this right? Mm -hmm. If I was Walmart, I'm going to grow like this. But if you want to grow like this, you have to churn. You got to bring in new blood. You got to make people hungry. You got to get the gazelles to run faster. I created this culture where if you're in, you need to be all in, be in that 80%. We love you. We're going to build this together. If you're not, if it's a shelf life, if you're going to expire, if you're not going to put the effort in, if it's just a job, that will be found out based on your KPIs and you're going to be out. We can be friends, but there's someone else who wants your job and we want to push what's expected up. And that's what we did. And we took off. And finally, I got my first paycheck in solar. I wasn't paid for almost two years. After 22 months of being open, I started to get paid the end of 16. And then seven, and we ended up with 14 million in sales and 16 lost money. 17 ended up in 40 million in sales made money. Okay. So 18, 100 million in sales made money. 19, 185 million made money. Last year, 393 million made money. We're on pace, we think, for 700 million this year. Maybe a billion, but we just stay grinding. I still, to this day, got 20 directors and 1,800 employees. There's an 80-20 rule. Mm-hmm. They have to report up to it every week. Like, you know, I, here's, here's who's on my 80-20. Because that mindset really helped my business grow because we took the personal out of it. If it wasn't helping everybody, then it needed to change. And I utilized that. And then the ironic thing, I met, I brought up Ben Brookhart, my old business partner in the second one. He gets done last year in 19 with the security business, his employment agreement's done, and he's about to open a solar company. And I'm like, dude, won't you join me? And that was hard for me. He saw this big company he could have been a part of that was massive. And he's like, that's yours. And I said, dude, why don't we, we'll hook you up. We'll, we'll work out some gain share up too. We'll do this, bring you in. You have expertise. I don't. You know, the first thing I think a leader needs to recognize is you can't do everything. I've Mm -hmm. hired a president that's got more knowledge and wisdom than me to build corporate infrastructure, HR, accounting. I've hired a CFO. I didn't know what EBITDA was a few years ago. I I had to hire a CFO. I hired this guy to really streamline and organize our sales department. I think a leader, a great leader realizes what they're good at and what they 
what they're not. And they find people to fill that puzzle to make the team better. And so I brought him on and, you know, he had to swallow some ego and pride and, and that was okay. And I did too. I mean, to bring him on and make him feel as a partner because he is game changing. Now he's all in, he's building something. We've doubled in size since he's been there. He's going to be a part of something bigger than he's ever been in his life and no regrets, but it's taken a turn and toll of different relationships, failed businesses, success, not to really find our mold to get together and partner up. Well, I think what you touched on is something that I've always believed, which is hire people, you know, you can call it smarter than you or or really are doing the things that not only do you necessarily not want to do, but also maybe you're not capable of them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I've always pushed on in my teams that that allows you to go do what you're exceptional at, which is growing the company and doing all of those things. But that little thing is so hard for so many people, and especially when you launch a company and it will bury a company. Pride and ego will bury you. Yeah. Yeah. It will totally bury you. And I, I mean, I even do this at the level of managers when they're hiring people. I'm like, what do people, what are the people that you're hiring know how to do that you don't know how to do? And if they can't answer that question, they can't hire them. Oh, that's great. That's see, that's great advice. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it really is something because it's like you got to f- see what is that spark because they're going to allow you to go and just be better as well. And it's something else that I've, you know, really been thinking so much about, especially since my book came out that I've heard from so many people, which is when I left, I was in tech prior to starting my company Hint and I was just bored. And my whole friend group was a bunch of tech people. And I, could have gotten another job. I live in Silicon Valley and I was getting recruited to go and look at all these other tech jobs. And I'm like, it's okay. Like, it's fine. I mean, I I don't dislike it. I'm just wondering if there's something else out there that I want to do. And I think more than anything, it was that I wanted to learn. I wanted Mm -hmm. to learn a new industry. And so, I mean, that's kind of what you did as well. You walked into solar, not knowing solar, you had heard about it. You, it kind of intrigued you and interest you. And now you've grown a business and, you know, for whatever it's worth, you could probably go do use exactly what you've learned in this industry and go do something else in a totally different industry as well. And, you know, learning is so important and failing is so important, but I get, you know, I think you're similar. We, we get bored. Like you said, Mm -hmm. our ADD kicks in, we have to be challenged. If it was easy, we wouldn't be successful. We would be bored. We would leave. It has to be hard for us to work to make it work. Yeah. And I think you have to be scared a little bit at times too. I mean, that story of, you know, downsizing and, you know, as, as crazy and as that may sound like, oh, you know, poor Jason, he had to downsize his, you know, multi-million dollar house and live a different way for a little while. It's like, it hurts. Eating ramen noodles, no paycheck. They can say (laughs) what they want, but I always stress this, the employees. I bet on you guys and us, not me. I stuck everything back in for our brand. Yeah. And so they can appreciate that. I think they know that, that nothing was handed to me. This was, I stuck everything and bet on myself and I played to win. I didn't play to not lose. And a lot of people play to not lose. They play it safe. And I was like, I got to go all in. If I can't do it, then at least I know I tried and I gave it everything I could. And 
you know, I was blessed and things worked out and I've got a great team and great employees and great staff. And we've got people who've been there four or five years that are moved up in the industry. Now are directors in our business. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a fun story. You know, we get a director just bought, you know, a, a, a massive house for him and his wife and kids recently. Like we love to hear those stories. I know you do too. Like as entrepreneurs are running companies, you love to see the success of your employees. It's just exciting to see that you can help them and they can help themselves to really take it to the next level. Definitely. So you mentioned uh, that you had worked in a call center. What did you learn working in a call center about customers? Well, my very first call center opportunity was a telemarketing job. I went back, you know, I was, I, I kicked out of school my last day of my sophomore year for getting in a fight. And so I just started working and then I got Liz pregnant. But but before I got her pregnant, I drove back to Arizona to go to school with my friends. So I changed the transcripts and I, did, I don't tell anybody to do this. And I went back to school when I shouldn't have, because they were all seniors. And I'm like, I'm going to go to school with you guys. It'll be great. And I, and I got in, like it worked. My, my buddy's mom got me in. Well, when I oh went in there, God. yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I went in there and my, my buddy, Kevin, who's my business partner now, my ride or die, he was driving this really cool car. Uh, it's Dodge Neon on Dayton's. I said, dude, how do you afford that? He said, man, I'm working this telemarketing place. I said, what? So he worked at this call center selling credit card protection. Mm -hmm. So I go, he, I'm like, I'm coming to get that job. I don't even need these classes. I get a credit to leave to work. I'm coming. So I go there and me and him for the next three or four weeks are number one and two, right? Like this. We're making four or 500 bucks a week. It gets better. We get recruited from the company across the street that's selling home <laughs> security. Can't make this up. They're selling home security. And they sit us down and they're like, look, I know you're one of the top reps there. You know, me and Kevin are sitting there. Like, all you need to do is call these, these, these forms here and sell them the security. And the pitch went like this. Hey, Kara, I see that you registered at the mall to win that Dodge Durango. You remember that? Yes, I did. Great. Fantastic. Yeah. You're actually still in the runnings for that. But do you hear <laughs> that right there? You've actually been selected to win a free home security system, free installation, free equipment. Everything's covered for you, Kara. The only thing you have to pay for is the monitoring. Please fire medical. It's a dollar a day. When can I schedule my installer to come out and get you your gift? Bam. That was it. We crushed it. I'm 17 years old, making a thousand bucks a week part-time. Crazy. That's when I first knew. And then when I ran call centers, we had a call center in Pakistan. We were partnered with overtime in the home security business with the avatar programs. We had call centers in China, call centers in the U S we bounced around with a lot of call centers and built sales rooms. You know, you can have the energy and the passion and the confidence to sell over the phone because you can be anybody you want. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I, I'm not like Wolf of wall street. Cause I follow the law, but mm -hmm. The way he is when he goes to sell that penny stock, that's mm -hmm. what I felt like on the phones. I was like, people were looking at me like I was an alien. I'm like, I'm really good at this. I just had this gift to do that and change my voice and tone to really get people to enroll and believe. And I, but you got to love what you do. Like I wouldn't sell, I tried to sell Kirby vacuum cleaners and nothing against Kirby vacuum cleaners, but that's a ripoff. I did that for like a week and was like, why are we charging like $2,500 for a vacuum for someone? I can't sell something I don't believe in. Yeah. And that, that I think is a key and people can see that. So when you were talking to customers, you really believed in it. I mean, you made a lot yeah. of money, but you also believed that it was like having this protection was an important thing. And think and about even it. At, what, yeah. one, in, one in 10 homes, you're 19 uh, times less likely to get broken into with having a yard sign in. So 
you know, having the yard sign. And when I knocked on doors and would sell it, I'd be like, Hey, Carrie, you got a lot of traffic hitting this road, right? Yeah. I'd like to put a sign in your yard and that's going to keep the bad guys away. We're going to get you a free system. We're going to get a lot of referrals, you know, and then you do the pitch and you get them to get the monitoring. I loved it because, you know, they would get cameras. They do this. You, you were protecting homes. The reason I got out of it, went to, to solar was everybody was doing, it was a lot of do it yourselves, mail it from the power company, mail it from the cable company. It was like solar's cool. Solar's like cell phones were in 1999. Like it's cool and it's the future and it's empowering. And that's what attracted me to solar. But I have to love what I do and I have to know it's making an impact on somebody's life or I can't do it. Yeah, definitely. So obviously COVID has sort of shut the world down and and it I keep hearing all over the US that everyone is putting money into home improvement, right? I mean, it's it is the category that has just I mean, it's sort of the darling of COVID in many ways. I mean, there's others, there's Zoom and uh companies specifically, but I have to believe that that has helped your your business as well. And where do you yeah. see the future of kind of solar and, and also just improvements? I mean, how do you think people are thinking about this? I think people are learning about solar as much media advertising's out there now. And now with the change in politics, with the administration change, I think that's going to be more pro renewable energy. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to see a transition of that really taking off. It's taken off in states where you're at California, Arizona, New York, but in other states, the rest of the United States, solar's not a big deal. I, you know, I've been talking to banks. We're get we're in transaction mode right now, right? To bring on another investor, take this to the next level, maybe even go public, a SPAC. We're talking all kinds of options. But one of the things we're we're thinking about and and discussing is. As we continue to grow, you know, our state, we're in 11 states. The only state that's penetrated more than 2% is South Carolina. There's so much white space. There's so many people wanting solar. The more people get solar, the more people will get solar. And they know that they can control their energy costs with the battery and storage and electric cars coming out. They can save money from time of use to charge their cars. They don't want to be without power. You know, California's got problems with power. Arizona's got problems with power. North Carolina, Michigan, you name it. Every state the grid is just, it's, it's trash. They haven't, they haven't put any money into it. They say they have, I think they're all lying. They don't do anything to the grid. Power goes out all the time. There's not enough energy. They're buying from each other. We have to continue to do these things because we don't have enough energy. And Mm -hmm. so as we start to do this more and more, people get frustrated. The way we advertise it is, you know, you don't have to be in the dark anymore. And we have a new theme out. We, we bought the song from twisted sister. I got to get a twisted sister shirt. And it's, we're not going to take it anymore. And we're not going to take the power rate increases. And we're not going to take the power outages. So we're empowering customers to stand up to the utility company and go green and go solar. So they're saving the planet. They're saving money. They're controlling their costs and they're never out without power. And that's kind of the message. And we see this industry exploding. Um, we've seen the stocks of all these public companies going crazy. We know our value continues to go up. But we're also in the energy efficiency space. That's a big play. I think, like you said, home services is going to continue to take off because even after this passes and eventually COVID will pass, mm-hmm. people are still going to want to work from home. What I'm worried about is commercial real estate. You know, I think regular real estate is going to be fine. I think home services are going to explode. I think, you know, online business is going to explode. But I think the ones that are going to struggle is commercial real estate because more people are going to want to work from home. They got used to it. We've changed the world. 
it's going to be hard to like, oh, let's all get back in an office. That's my feeling. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think we're not going back to everybody going back into the office five days a week anytime soon. I think that the big question that so many leaders who are who have employees that were going into offices are asking themselves is, what is it going to look like? And so many of these people have also left major cities. I mean, I live just outside of San Francisco. A lot of people have left San Francisco and, you know, gone to Austin or Nashville or, you know, lots of different Phoenix, you know, in order to live in a place where it's a little, you know, cheaper to live. And it's super nice as and well. They're open. A, they're not and they're closed. open and they're not closed. Right. And so I think that there's, and so what happens, do they lose their job or do they work remotely? And I think that there's going to be, you know, a huge conversation around that and why not have your place be working and nice and somewhere that you want to be around. And I, I do believe that, you know, that has only increased over time that, you know, someone's home, I think more and more people, you know, want to put more into, you know, whether it's outdoor furniture or solar or whatever it is, yeah. you know, people want it to be, you know, a nice place. So I think you're right in that zone. I need to talk to you guys about our house because I keep, uh, I think we have a mountain behind us. So I've been told by a few people that we can't do solar. Usually if there's a mountain in your backyard, you got a lot of shade. You probably can't. I know. But there is something called community solar, and I don't know if it's approved in California. We're not in California. And what that is, is that's where the, a, a company or the utility company, usually it's a private company, builds a solar farm, and you can buy into that so you own that section of it. Interesting. And now that's your power, even though in essence it's not, but that's your credit to offset your bill since you don't have the the roof capacity of it with the shade. So oh, that's an option that people do. Like they build these, you know, these community arrays and then they go and sell it to people who have condos with no roof space or, you know, trees or mountains or, you know, facing the wrong way, whatever. I don't want it on my roof, but I want to go green. I want to save money. They can buy into those grids and have a piece. That's to, interesting. To go into it. Yeah. I'll definitely look into it. What states are you in? North Carolina, South Carolina. We just opened Georgia, uh, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, Missouri, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Tennessee. I think I got them all. Wow. And yeah. 1,800 employees. That's just wild. Did you ever think that you would be running a company this big? No, because I only set my goals, honestly, like six months to a year out. I'm very disciplined in like, what am I going to do today? What am I going to do this week, this month, the next three months, the next six months, maybe a year. So if you asked me a year ago or six months ago, yes. But if you asked mm -hmm. me before, then no, because I I've realized in my life with the three companies and ups and downs and roller coasters and losing money that when I set unrealistic goals that my ADD kicks in and I can't hit fast, I get discouraged. So I, I always say there's no elevator in life. You got to take the steps. So I look at, okay, I, four steps at a time. Okay, great. Now the next four steps. Um, but then you become numb to it. You know this building a successful business. You don't expect it to get that big, but then when it does, whether it's 50 million in sales, 100 million in sales, 500 million in sales, a billion, it's still the same. Yeah. That's how it feels to me. It's still the same. 1,800 employees, 1,000 employees. It's the same. It's exciting, but it's the same. 
You know, yeah. you just add more layers of management. And you, the message is the same. The feeling is the same. I don't celebrate a lot. You know, I'm not big on celebration. It's like high five. I celebrate for other people. Let's go. Let's go. Pat on the back. Here's an award. But I, I feel like I get nervous if I stop. Then I'm just I'm not going to continue to go. So I that's a quick. All right, good job. Let's keep going. That's just how I roll. Listening to your talk sounds so much like me. You mentioned four steps. I I have like two steps. I never have too much on my to do list, and I always over accomplish. Right? It makes because you feel good. Small right. wins feel great, yeah. but if you're like, I didn't hit fifty million in sales this year. Well, it takes a few years. Like you can't yeah. get mad at yourself. You know, people totally. don't lose forty pounds overnight. People forget totally. about that. Like oh, I'm going to lose forty pounds. No, you got to lose a pound a week or two pounds a week. You got to start somewhere and people just get discouraged. I feel bad that I think that and what you said about the pride, those two are top things of why entrepreneurs fail. That's why. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. You put way too much on. And then also you talked about this idea that people think everything has to be perfect. And, you know, something that I talk about in my book, it's called undaunted overcoming doubts and doubters. And so I clearly had doubts along the way. I'm sure you did too. You know, you're not sure if you can do it, but you got to go try, right? Mm -hmm. And if you don't try, then you're not going to be able to succeed and achieve. And that's really, I mean, you are a living example of that. That you As are you. Like, think about this. If you never tried, you'd had a regret that you didn't try. Yeah. Even if you failed, it would have felt better than regret for the rest of your life. And how many people said to you, I mean, when I was moving from tech into starting a beverage company, I was doing it because I wanted better health and I saw the bigger vision. But so many people said to me, really? A beverage oh, company? Everybody. Like, and, and you've, I'm sure you've got people, you know, that like solar, really, you know, you're doing well, why, why are you doing this? But you just have to find what you believe in and what you want to do to your earlier point about even the call center. Like it's, it's not just about figuring out what you believe in selling, but also who you believe you, what you should be working on too, I think is the most important thing. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, when you're having the small wins and you don't quit on yourself and you don't listen to naysayers, I had family and friends on the first company, like really home security. Yeah, you don't even know they're what you're the doing. Worst. And then yeah. the second one, really, you're going to partner with another and then opening the solar, really? You're in North Carolina. You're in Michigan. Really? Like I've heard it all. And then, but, but, but for some reason that, that, that excites me. Like I'm a sick person. That's, that's where I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, that's where I'm, I'm sick. I love that. I want people to give me a reason to keep pushing. Otherwise I get bored. I love when they say I can't, I love when they doubt me. I love when they complain and then I convert them to fans and then they're liking my stuff and they're asking for jobs or they work for you or they, whatever they want to do. It's like, Okay, because I'm not mean. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm not hateful. I don't wish bad on any. I hope they. I want everyone to be successful. I love to see successful people. But if you're going to say that I can't get there and that I'm going to fail based on your insecurities of not wanting to try something, that's not right. And I'm just going to do my thing. And while you're watching me, I'm going to watch myself grow. And that's kind of the motto I have. Oh, I love it. It's so great. What do you think is the hardest thing in growing a business that you didn't anticipate? Okay, so. <laughs> I have a rule. You have to pay your people first. You have to pay your vendors second. You have to reinvest in the company. And if there's anything left, you get paid. And I think early on in business, I was blessed because I had another job working Verizon and doing that. 
But as I transitioned, it was tough. Ramen noodles, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, right? It was like, you start to watch, like, I can't get paid. Entrepreneurs think, I'm going to make the most money. I'm going to be rich. Nope. You open a business because you want to help people and do something you believe in. Money's just an extra thing that happens sometimes. There's a lot of companies and successful people that are happy and changing the world, and they're not huge businesses. They don't make a ton of money, but they love what they do. They're empowered and they have that freedom. And people think that they need to be rich. And that's how I think they burn. And I was, you know, struggling early on, like, man, I, I, when am I going to like be able to ever get a paycheck? And I, because I disciplined myself for nine months, not getting one, I worked another company. When I left, I would just pay myself a little bit that helped. Solar was the same way, 22 months without a paycheck. I had the savings account that got wiped out and stuck back in there. So I had to bet it all on the line. Thank goodness I had that. But I think that that is the biggest lesson that I've learned over time is you pay yourself very last and reinvest. Whether we do 500 million in sales or we do a billion or we do 200 million, my salary is still the same. Mm-hmm. It goes back into the company. Yeah, you're reinvesting that. back. And people yeah. don't think that. They're like, man, the company's doing that. You're killing it. No, I'm doing the same. The company for every employee, because my goal is to have a lucrative transaction where we can go public and all the employees can have a life-changing event. It's beneficial for the entire company. I'm not getting paid anymore. It's going back into the business. So we can have more cars, more you know, solar, more leads, more offices, more employees, more benefits, things like that. Oh, I think that's that's so true. So do you feel like in growing your teams that it's, uh, I found that I don't know everybody in the company anymore. Like that to me is, you know, it can be challenging. You know, I try, I try to get people on calls and, but obviously 1800 people, it's a lot of people. It right? hurts your feelings. So I go, I mean, I know it hurts mine. It hurts yours. I'm yeah. sure you go. So I go to an office. I think we have seven, no, we have 22 offices or something. And I've been to all but like three because we, the executives every month travel mm-hmm. to, you know, where one of, you know, there's five executives will go to a sales meeting at one and then an install meeting other. Well, I'm kind of biased. I usually stay in Michigan half the time. Yeah. You know, I've got four kids and I'm the CEO. I'm not going to go every time. And Michigan's our number one market. So of course I'm going to show them the most love. So I've gone to half of what the other guy said, but I, I do the, I've done the round robin. There's still, I haven't been to St. Louis yet and I haven't been to the new Fort Wayne office. But the others, oh, and the Harrisburg PA. So we have 24 offices. I've been to 21. But the other offices, I've been to a few a couple times. And I'll go in and I'm like, you know, I go do a dinner with these with, with the leaders in a, in, a, in a market and then do the sales meeting or the install meeting the next day. I struggle because I don't know who I'm going to meet. I may know the regional. I may know the district manager. I may know the project manager. I may know the regional project manager from the installs. I don't know who the admin is. I don't know who the top salespeople are that come. We don't take everybody. I don't know who the the assistant district managers are. So I get to meet them and we do a round table, you know, introduce yourself, da, 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 da. And then I talk a little bit about me and they get excited. The CEO comes in, they see me on the commercials, they get all excited, but I treat them all equally. I mean, there are employees. I love them as much as I love the ones I know the most. And you know that, how that works, but it is tough because you don't know them, but you can't get out there. And it really separates ourselves because- if I have relationships with a lot of employees, they're going to bypass every management level to get to me. So I have to also kind of stay away so they can follow the process because I've been manipulated a few times like that where I'll have, Hey, yeah. And I cut up and then they're skipping their manager and their director and regional. Which and now I bad. have, yeah, now I have yeah. to go back to them and go, Hey guys, like he's having this problem and you know, they, they get insulted and you just to stay out of that. It's cool to high five and be polite and talk, but I try not to have a lot of relationships 
with employees at this time. I mean, it's it's hard. As you get big, it's it's hard. I hear you. It's it's super challenging, especially when you're trying to put some kind of process in. And in 1800, it's a lot. I've got people that have been with me a long time when we had like 70 employees. So I would take them to dinner and we'd hang out. And now that we've grown and they've grown, but it, there's more managers between, some of their feelings are hurt. Like, man, I used to be really close. And it's like, I'm busy now. Like, I'm not yeah. trying to be me, but they've grown and they've got way more responsibility. So have I. Yeah. So it's a little harder and that's what happens. And that's another dynamic when you're running a business that some of the things you have to deal with and, and you know, find your way through. I feel like culture is something that, especially living in this kind of Zoom world today, where we don't get to travel as much and see as many people in all of these offices. I mean, I mean, honestly, I feel like we're working on it in our company and trying to do more and more stuff together, but it's it's tough. We love our, I mean, our culture is probably one of our best things, but we can always get better. You know, we have a motto at Power Home called BAM, building a movement, one panel, one customer, one employee, one vision, and one mission at a time. And they're all in. They wear BAM shirts. We do picnics. We do employee giveaways. We do shout outs. We do all these things to keep the culture up. We do the sales meetings, the install meetings, our holiday party. We did virtuals, our first virtual one, which now we're always going to do it because it was a hit. But we had, you know, we, at the time when we did the party in December, we had about 1,600 employees. We had 1,480 log in. And we gave out over $208,000 to the employees. Wow. We had five $25,000 winners. What did you do for it? So we raffled them. So they had to use their employee ID and mm-hmm. log into the Zoom Vimeo platform. We yeah. had this whole production company. I brought in a couple big guests, White Boy Rick, who's a speaker here in Michigan. And I brought in Joseph Newgarden, who's an IndyCar champion and a, and a sponsor for us, Barry Sanders. I brought all them into the, here in Michigan. And we just, you know, went through all the, what, what we've accomplished in, you know, in the past, our story, 2020, and what we're going to do in the future. And it was a nice three and a half hour event. But during the time to keep them engaged, you'd be like, oh, time to give away 10 grand. As long as they were logged in with that thing, there was a an automated thing that buzzed around and stopped. And we'd have to pull up that number and, oh my gosh, you won. Tears were pouring. People were shaking. It was life-changing and it was exciting. And we had like 30 winners, five $25,000 winners. There's $208,000 we gave out. It was so awesome. Best thing we could have done. But that was that culture, that excitement. They'll never forget that. And nobody was upset they didn't win. I mean, you know, the, the, the other people, when you, we had a single mom that had like, uh, 2,500 bucks. We had a single dad that made $10,000. The one of the $25,000 winners was another single mom. That's only been with us like two months. I'm like, you can't leave us. Okay. You just got 25 grand. You got to stay. But yeah, I love it. it. And we filmed it all. And it was just great. The local news did a report on it and talked to some of the $25,000 winners, but that kind of stuff that you can do for the culture, that's exciting. And then the yeah. employees feel a part of something great. I love it. It's super great. So you have such great energy and I'll mention your podcast again. If you guys have, you can hear more from Jason on True Underdog and it's it's such a great, I, I mean, you're just so motivational. Just sort of last kind of tidbit. Somebody's sitting there trying to figure out, how do I do what Jason's done? I would say I have a book coming in, in April or May. It's almost done. It's called Own your power, no more effing excuses, right? So everyone writes their own map. We get up every day. We decide what clothes we put on, which way we're going to go left or right in the car. People say, no, you don't make, no, you, you, if you're going to a job, you don't like, that's your decision. 
If you're going to a school and you're going to get an education on a subject that you can't stand, that was your decision. The good thing about our life is you can change your decisions. You really can. But when you don't make decisions and you sit there and you have regret, you're not giving your decision a chance to grow and and do the right thing. And now you're regretting wasting all your energy looking what you didn't do. And if we can change the mindset, if we can really create our own map to say, look, I'm going to make a decision. I believe there's no wrong decision. The results might be different than if I chose something else. But when I make a decision, as long as I don't look backwards and give one ounce of energy, I should have, would have, could have, had a whatever, and I focus on what I've decided, then I can move forward instead of sitting in the mud, worrying and thinking and not growing anywhere. However, if this isn't working, at least I attempted it, I can divert over and continue to map around a roadblock and do what I want. But you got to live life like you don't have reverse. As long as you live like you don't have reverse and you're driving forward and you're able to divert around things and you don't look backwards, I think that's the biggest key. You got to find what it is. Everyone's got gifts, right? I just uh, did a podcast recently with this guy. He was awesome. And he was mentioning that he's an introvert sales guy. And he said, introverts sell better than extroverts. And I'm an extrovert. And I was like, I can't wait to have this conversation, right? He put me to school. He said, dude, look, process is everything. So for those folks out out there to think you can't be successful because you're quiet or you're shy, that's wrong. You can master a process and you can find your skill and you can grow and you can do great things. But I think the biggest advice would be, don't look at the things that you have or the money you make as being successful. Mm -hmm. Look at empowering yourself to do something you love. There are teachers that are successful. They need to be paid more and, and they love what they do. There are doctors that are successful and they love what they do. There are, you know, secretaries that are successful and love what they do. As long as you're happy and you're filling this, you're successful. But if you're not quit, money is just a thing. You don't need to chase money. You need to chase feeling happy. Totally. Or do what you did, you know, find your next move and save up and have a goal and until you can go and one step at a time. You can't do it overnight. I love it. Well, Jason, this has been awesome. You are awesome and so motivational. And I loved this so much. So everybody go check out Jason's podcast. Give him five stars on here. And we love that you came by. We're here every Monday and Wednesday interviewing lots of amazing people that you will definitely learn from and be inspired by. So thanks for coming by. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. 
You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Kara Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.